no trucks, but we did get a creaky chair. Yeah, I heard that. One of my kids is being loud. Ah. Nothing I can do about okay. that. Except maybe murder. But no. Nah, <laughs> no, nah, you like don't work. want to do that, Joe. No, you don't want to do that. No, nah, it's too much work. Too much paperwork, yeah. too much digging. Right. Three, two, one, zero. Are you ready? Wait, wait, wait. Security has a big problem. Exclamation point. Doesn't it okay. always have a big problem? Never. Open source software is perfect in every way. In every way. <laughs> Open oh, of source, course closed source, completely secure. Of course. Unhackable. But you sounded in sync to us, but, you know, right. a little bit of latency there. <laughs> yeah, ba, ba, definitely. Ba. Okay. Da, 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 da. This is why everybody hates you, Leo. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Welcome to Midcast, the podcast by the Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. Yeah, that's you. You. You too. And this is Joe, and... I'm missing my nap. Hi, this is Tony, and I've been Fitbitted. And now, buttery smooth, I'm Leo. This is episode 367.5, recorded on Sunday, the 8th, August, 2021. 8th of August, yeah. Livestream information is at mintcast.org slash livestream. If you see something that you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. Join us live on YouTube. Post at the Mintcast subreddit, chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, or post directly at mintcast.org. In our internet section, we talk hobbies. And finally, the feedback and a couple of suggestions. So we thought we would take it easy. Take it easy. It's a little easy. You know, uh, you know not, not because we don't have ideas. We have plenty of ideas. Right? That's, that's the whole thing, right? Got all kinds of ideas. But... This is, um, it's going to be, well, for me, it's going to be Linuxy because uh, we're going to talk about hobbies, and my hobby is Linux. I think we wanted to take a little break from uh, in-depth and just, you know, discuss more things that we like to do other than Linux. Yeah, we got to disgust more things. Yeah. Right. Disgust. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my hobby is Linux and podcasting and Linux podcasting. So I, I don't have any hobbies. <laughs> right. I mean, like, I don't see them as hobbies. I, I see them as this is just the stuff that I do all the time. Uh, uh, I, it, it, in my brain, I'm not like, you know what hobbies I have? Here's a list. I, no, none of them. I love uh, I love gaming. Yeah, but this, gaming this list most... that I have there will be completely different tomorrow. Oh, you, it, and that's, that's the other <laughs> thing, right? Like, my hobbies are not always set in stone, right? So, I mean... My my hobby is Linux, right? So I've I've been dealing a lot with ButterFS. I've done that on Linux Mint. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I encourage anybody that is uh, comfortable with doing some partitioning, not not even sub volume stuff. You don't even have to you don't have to deal with any of that. Just big old partition, plop Linux Mint on it, and you're done. If you're doing UEFI, you need the EFI partition, obviously. But then just everything else is Linux Mint. If you're doing uh, BIOS or the CSM, the old style. Then, I mean, Tony, you were talking about that yesterday. You don't even need an EFI partition or a special partition. You just create one, plop Linux Mint on it, and the, the two root and home subvolumes are already automatically created for you. And if you're astute enough, you can go in after the fact and create more subvolumes and do all kinds of crazy stuff. But 
You don't need to. But you could start from scratch, though. First build your computer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that reminds me of the Carl Sagan quote, right? Like, if you want to bake an apple pie from scratch, you must first invent the universe. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's so, I don't know. It's perfect for that. So, right. I mean, so that's, that's my hobby. That's, that's, that's what I spend a lot of my time on. Um, I mean, obviously, I do gaming as well. Joe, you talk about uh, Borderlands, I think, more than any other game. But, I mean, you, you talk about a lot of games. And gaming is, I guess, a hobby of mine as well. World of Warcraft is what I play probably the most. Um, I, I think I've been eyeballing Final Fantasy for a lot of reasons. And, and Bo spends a lot of time playing Final <laughs> Fantasy, or at least he had. Um, but you can do all of that on Linux, too. So, I mean, is that a Linux hobby or a gaming hobby or or what? Uh, I mean, of course, those aren't the only games. Uh, that, that Surviving Mars is a pretty fantastic game that I got for free off, I think, Humble Bundle, maybe, or good old games. I can't remember at this point. But, uh, that, I mean, yeah, so gaming, right, I guess. Um, and then cooking. Like, Joe, honestly, what I did was I looked at your list. I see And I was this, like, oh, I oh yeah, I totally do a lot of that. Yeah, that that, that would be a oh, hobby because well, I... I here it says cooking. Is that a hobby? It's a requirement. The question is, are you cooking for fun? Oh, let, let me of put it this way. Of course you're eating the result, but are you cooking when you didn't have to cook because you enjoy cooking? Could I eat out every day? Yes. Do I want to? Sometimes. But will I cook anyway? Absolutely. I have then a good yes. time cooking, but I don't consider... Well, yeah, that, that's, that's what I mean, though. Like, I don't consider it a hobby. I consider it... Uh, straight up a requirement like unless you want to spend three four times the amount of money you need to spend on food you'll well, cook is your is your reason for cooking solely that it saves money or are you cooking because you enjoy cooking both then it's a hobby. so do you uh, yeah so do you ever say oh i fancy a, a, a scone or you know some some bakery goods and say instead of going to the store and buying it I'll go in the kitchen. I'll make it. But yeah, but I don't see that as a hobby. I see that as being, I don't know, well, I slightly do. more responsible most with your money. Because people go to the store and they go and buy a packet. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, I mean, there's there's a lot of implications there, right? I mean, at least when you cook, you know, it goes into your food. That, that that's a lot of it. Yeah. Um, for me as well, there's like a gajillion reasons why I cook. Only one of them is because it's fun, um, and all the other ones are boring. Uh, you know, I like to save money. I like to know what goes into my food. It's only the one that matters that turns it into a hobby. I guess. I guess. But in- and, and and sometimes the boring ones are actually what make it enjoyable because if you're doing it for health and you know what you're doing is good for you, then that also makes it enjoyable. Okay, listen, the amount of chicken wings that I eat that I cook myself are not good for me. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> it depends on how you make said chicken wings. Okay, yeah. you know what? You know what? They're yeah. done in the air fryer, so they have slightly less oil dripping all over them than they normally Perfect. would. But yeah. but still, eating as many as I eat is probably not a good thing, well, which is that, also why I want an Apple Watch. Moderation, but Th- yeah. this is this yeah. why I want an Apple Watch to tell me what my my blood pressure is, so I don't die. <laughs> you know, yeah, something like that, well, right? There's no preventing it. There's a balance. There's a balance here. Like, okay, Apple Watch says yeah. I've had too, too many uh, chicken wings. I'll cut back next week. Next week. But, it's always but, next week. Well, of course. Of course it is. Because if I do it right now, that means I would have to not eat what's in front of me. And that's hard to do. <laughs> but um, no, I, I love I love to cook. I mean, I'm not good at baking, but I, I like to bake a lot. I just uh, I spent... I mean, like an hour and a half with my daughter yesterday baking a plain white cake. And 
I mean, honestly, it was it was it was more fun because I was having her do all the stuff, her control, you know, the the mixer and the ingredients and I mean, and of course, secretly for me, it's like I'm sneaking a little math in there. Well, I mean, how many how many halves make a whole kind of stuff, right? I mean, she's she's almost six, so it's 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 right about the time to be thinking about stuff like that. But um, I mean, I, that's also good parenting. Yeah, well, oh, thanks. I <laughs> well, do appreciate cooking, if that. If you're doing it right, is all math. Oh no, it is, yeah. and and I mean, baking is a hard science because you can't just go and change things without knowing the implication of them. With with cooking. I think, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, like sauteing something, eh, you can do it for an extra 30 minutes, you could, or 30 seconds, you could do it for, you know, 30 seconds less, whatever. And, you know, the result is really kind of subjective, but I mean, you change something in a bake and it becomes a totally yeah. separate thing or it doesn't come out at all. Yeah. So, right, right. Uh, especially with baking, it, it, uh, it could be a couple of grams of difference yeah. in an ingredient and that will just ruin your consistency. Yeah, ba- baking is chemistry, and you have to treat it like that. Otherwise, yeah, you, you get you get some amorphous blob of something or other that doesn't. It kind of <laughs> tastes right, but I mean, it, it doesn't look right. It doesn't, doesn't feel right. Nice, yeah, <laughs> you can't frost that thing. It's just goop. Yeah, so it, it's I, I like it because of that. That's I think what makes makes baking um, so fun to me. I guess I mean you, you got to be right. You got to be right. And then you don't really know uh, unless you've done exact measurements and everything that you were wrong until the thing comes out wrong. Anyway, so I'm trying to get my daughter into doing that, um, into doing that kind of stuff as well. She has a lot of fun uh, when we were doing, she likes to, uh, I I guess a lot of kids like to do this, right? Where they have like a bowl and then just put all kinds of crap inside of it. And she calls it a potion (laughs) all the time. So, you know, a little little clover, some some clover, some grass, some dirt. Yeah. And that was, uh, she mentioned that and I'm like, Ooh, yeah, totally a potion. So yeah, keep making this stuff and then I'll just let you do it forever. And then I'll, I'll eat your concoctions that I think is, uh, is the pivot I'm hoping for. (laughs) And then you got, uh, you got pie down there too, Joe. Um, is, is pie its own hobby? Because now, I don't know. I have no idea what's going well, it on. Depends which pie you're talking about. If you're talking about apple pie, that's definitely a oh, hobby. Okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> that's an extraneous hobby, about- yeah. yeah. But no, 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 um, raspberry pie. And yeah, it can be a hobby all on its own, especially considering just yeah. all the different things that you can do with a pie. I mean, it's not just about setting up a desktop. It's about the things you add to the pie. Oh, Yusuf just, sorry, because I have to go back to this, because Yusuf said, food recipes are actually open source. You can fork it and adjust some ingredients to your liking. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's kind of awesome. Not, not, not only that, True. I think we just need to host recipes on GitHub now, so we can make forking really easy. Oh, it's yeah, just yeah. a matter of course now. Oh, I like this idea. Well, uh, si- since I brought it back up, um, Joe, what's your favorite thing to cook? Wow, that that's a tough one. I mean, See? probably burritos. What? Okay, what kind? What are you what are you putting in these things? Uh, well, you're, you're not gonna like it. But um, I start with um, turkey, ground turkey, okay, and, and taco seasoning, and then um, peppers and onions, and green peppers, and more onions, and then mm-hmm. um, tomatoes and green chilies. Um, Two cans of tomatoes and green chilies usually. And then refried beans, black beans, um, 224 grams of cheese. 
yeah. That that sounds like Chipotle, man. It, it, it comes out like a burrito innards. My my favorite thing, though, is like, because uh, we have this place called Sharky's that um, it's like Chipotle, right? But I love asking them to put like way too much stuff in it. Oh, and you got to wait too, right? Oh, so yeah, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, let me get some of those potatoes. And then they put them on there and be like, you know what? Actually, let me get double <laughs> potatoes. And But they can't they can't cheat you at that point because they've already shown you what one looks like. So if they don't give you a whole nother one when you ask for double, then, you know, it's like, oh, come on, man. A little bit, little bit more. Right. But my favorite thing about that is that, like, when they it just keeps, it. Gr- yeah, it keeps growing and growing and growing. And then you watch them struggle <laughs> to close it. And, and they then, just like, throw another tortilla on top of it. And they're like, yeah. there you go. Once, once they let out that sigh of, uh, like, uh, you know, I'm just like, you know what? Don't, don't even bother, man. Just make it like one of those unclosable, you know, U-shaped tacos. Leave that's, it fine. Open face. that's fine. I'll, I'll open eat it. Face I don't is care. Fine. <laughs> Uh, I just love doing that to him. So, Tony, what do you like to cook? What is your favorite thing to cook? Because it seems like everybody Ooh, everybody has cooking I've as a hobby now. Got, I've got loads, loads oh, of no, things. No, you have to whittle it down to one. Like you have to choose just one. Protein <laughs> well, bars, if it's going to be comfort, comfort food, it would be homemade rice pudding. Oh, that sounds delicious. Yeah. Uh, I might need that recipe. It's a it's a secret family recipe, Joe. You can't have it. Well, I'm sorry. It's one of those open source ones. Ah, I, so I, just I, 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 I could go and look so it up, but I, I want to know your fork. Ah, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. Comfort wise, I mean, uh, if I'm trying to avoid the sugar, I'll put something like dried fruit in it, sultanas, or uh, you monk know, something fruit. like that. Oh yeah, that that'd be a good one. I've never used monk fruit. But, to, yeah, just something just to take the edge off it and sweeten it a bit mm-hmm. uh, without having to use raw sugar. But, yeah, it's gorgeous. So much better than uh, buying a tin. Yeah, I think. Uh, and, again, you know what's gone in it, exactly what's gone it, in uh, it. That's my favorite thing, man. That's that's it's it's comforting to know. Right. I mean, even if you yeah. are putting horrible things inside of it, whatever. Right. Like, you know what's going in it. So. You can feel it. You can at least feel a little bit good about that. Ooh, early morning French toast. Mm. For, Ooh, for like, like, like sourdough like bread. 3 a.m. <laughs> French toast. Yeah. For oh, no, can't, uh, with strawberries and maple syrup. Okay. <laughs> for me, it's, it's very far and few. I do this maybe once every couple of months or something like that, but a good reverse seared steak with, I mean, and so when I say garlic mashed potatoes, I need you to imagine about eight times as much garlic as you think you need for garlic. Well, I think more than we that. Have when you do your when you for garlic, so yeah. When you do your garlic, though, do you roast the garlic first so it's soft and gooey, and I, before you mash mash it through the potatoes, I boil it with the potatoes. So I don't yeah. get the roasted flavor, but I extract all of the garlic. Uh, the garlic yeah. flavor out of it yeah. and it infuses into the potatoes because that's one thing I've learned. Well, if you oversalt something or you want the flavor to, you know, mild out just a little bit, chuck a whole peeled potato in there and it will soak up a lot of that flavor. And then you yeah. take that out and it's slightly scaled back in the finished result. So, I mean, yeah, but that, there's something about the flavor of like a caramelized garlic clove. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're we're gonna turn this into a different show. So no, it's gonna be this is this is foodcast or uh, yeah yeah stovecast. But yeah, I mean the the thing about the steak though is that it's reverse seared. So I mean you do it in the oven. You put you put the temperature of the oven about 180 degrees, and you just let it sit there. Put a little thermometer in it, 
let it sit there until it registers uh, five degrees below where you want it. So if you want it rare, medium, rare, okay. medium, whatever, then you take it out, let it rest for a couple of minutes, get a skillet. If you're doing it inside or your grill, if you're doing it outside, get that as hot as you can get it. And then you do 30 seconds one side, 30 seconds to the side, get the edges for a few seconds, get it nice and crispy. Oh, oh my God. It's yep. amazing. You can say sous vide no. all day, but again, it's got nothing on this. I'm, I'm going to show some of my inner country boy here and, and, and just and just say that there's nothing like a catfish stir fry. Oh, I love me. Oh, no, no, no. Ooh. Just fried catfish no, with a side of fries. Fry. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. that, that's called mm -hmm. fish and chips. And don't get me wrong. I love me some fish and chips. <laughs> but a catfish stir fry, you get yourself some some rice or some cauliflower rice and maybe some Mexican seasonings for that. You get yourself some uh, frozen catfish or fresh if you really want to. And some seared red peppers and onions. And you throw it all in the pan, you fry it up, you put some um, orange ginger marinade in there just for the flavoring, and you let that simmer down some. Oh, it is incredible. Mm. Yeah, I, I love me some fried fish, and fried catfish is on another level, um, and just some fries, man. Just That's all I need, and it's well, amazing. It's great for that, too. I mean... Uh, tw 12 minutes in the air fryer, you put the, the layer of catfish on the top, and then you put the, the fries on the layer below it, and, 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 and then you let the grease from the fish drip down onto the fry. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting hungry here, and I'm blaming you guys, man. Oh, it's fine. You can blame me. <laughs> anyway, back to the topic. Yeah, uh, my, last thing, the yeah my last thing was I read, uh, I read a lot. Um, but it's mostly technical documents, news, hey, and nonfiction stuff. But is that, that a hobby? So that is that a hobby still now? counts as a hobby. If you're doing right. it for the enjoyment, yeah. that is a hobby. All right. Well, apparently I have a lot of hobbies. You might have a magazine subscription like Linux Format. I used to. Or, uh, you know, Linux Admin Magazine. Listening yeah. to podcasts. Jeez. That's a hobby. Oh, okay. Well, I do that too. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> God, Joe, what have you got oh, for us? I got us? a list here, but we've already covered a bunch of it. I mean, the first thing on my list is cooking, <laughs> and that's about talked out yeah. right now. And then I love biking. Uh, I don't do it as much as I uh, used to. Are you mean? Are you meaning cycling, yeah, cycling. or motorcycling? Cycling, cycling. Yeah, not motorcycling. Yeah. Because um, in this in this country, if you say biking, you mean motorcycling. Okay, no, uh. see, with motorcycling, I have I have this thing about physics, and I understand physics entirely too well on what happens when you're going <laughs> over 30 miles per hour without anything or surrounding you, and you suddenly hit something. Yeah, I've done it so a couple of times. Yeah. I'm a little leery about it. I have motorcycled before. I've dirt biked before. I've crashed into trailers before doing, you know, Ow. insane speeds. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm just not into it right now. So I am into cycling. I love doing it. I just get on my bike and ride for miles. It's very cathartic and good for your heart. Um, uh, yeah. I love soldering. I love anything that needs to be any piece of electronics that needs to be repaired. I love finding a way to do it. Um, so, yeah, me and my soldering iron, if I'm having a bad day at work, um, while I'm working, while I'm in a meeting, while I'm on a phone call, I'm going to pull out that soldering iron and I'm going to fix something. Uh, electronics repair in general as well. And then um, I love weightlifting. 
I, I mean, there was a three-week time frame there when um, two of my kids were in Florida and Kai was uh, at driving school every day where I went two hours, five days a week for three weeks and just hit the gym like it owed me money. And Except you owed it that. money because you were at the gym. Well, no, I, I was actually on a, a free <laughs> free three month trial. So, oh, there you go. All yeah, right. Did you remember yeah. to cancel it at the end, or did you end up they owing them money? Got my credit card. Ah, beautiful. So, yeah, <laughs> it's that, like that those free trials, perfect. man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I love weightlifting, and it's. I know when we go back to the office, the gym at the office is going to be closed. I canceled my. Um, subscription or the fee membership to uh planet fitness because they're too far away so and then right now with all the variants out i probably shouldn't be going to the gym anyway because of covid so i'm lifting in the garage again and trying to get back into that but it's like 120 degrees in my garage so yeah and then gaming i know we talked about that and i know most people only hear me talk about borderlands 2 and 3 and i am bouncing back and forth between those right now but for pc gaming um skyrim it's been a long time since i did any console gaming but back in the day it was uh fable and fable 2 um more pc gaming um i can't wait for uh the new uh vampire the masquerade game to come out I, I played the first two, what was it, Bloodlines, and I'm not sure what the other one was, but those were really awesome. And then I enjoyed handheld gaming. I was also a major fan of the Sega back in the day, which is some of the reason that I enjoy the handheld gaming and the PSPs. And, and vintage gaming. I love getting old systems and, and getting them up and working and you know, making them work and showing that they work. Yeah, my and Nintendo that, still works. I love yeah, it so much. Yeah. And then, you know, that falls into the whole building electronics and, and making pie builds. I haven't been able to find anything that really interests me for a pie build lately that I want to get into, which is why I haven't done much with pie. But it is something I enjoy doing, finding a new way to use it, finding other things people have done and modifying it to make it fit into what I want. Now, one of my major hobbies is also reading. I used to talk about it all the time on the show, audiobooks. I don't sit down with physical books much anymore because I listen to the audiobooks while I'm doing all my other plethora of hobbies. And I kind of have to because I have way too many hobbies. And, oh, I want to get back to cooking in just a second. I, I know we talked about that enough. But um, also, I collect comic books. Uh, and I forgot some stuff with the gaming. Like the tabletop gaming, um, I used to. I was really hoping that Bo was going to be on because um, he he's one of the person that I know that does a lot of tabletop gaming. Yeah, I don't and do I, a lot, but I do some, and uh, a lot of it ended up being in uh, was that VTT, that virtual tabletop thing, yeah, and then yeah. tabletop simulator, which you can get off Steam, that uh, is native to Linux, which is cool. Well, I used to host a, a weekly Magic the Gathering game, and then I used to also DM for the uh, tabletop version of Vampire the Masquerade, and uh, I've played D&D and Dragonstorm and various other tabletop RPGs. It's just not something that I'm doing a lot of recently. And then, you know, uh, podcasting as a hobby, a whole bunch of those, and then... 3D printing and design. 
And now also one of the things I really like about cooking as a hobby is like yesterday, uh, I just said to hell with it and grabbed one of my kids and said, come over here. We're learning to cook and, okay. and started yeah. handing her ingredients and, and made her start cooking. And then I did that most of the summer with my eldest child, who is now 18 and should be kicked out already. Well, if she goes off to college, then she'll need to be able to no, cook. Her oh, going yeah. off to college is she's still going to be living here, but she's going to be going to the local community college. Uh, we'll see how that goes for a semester. Otherwise, she's joining the military. <laughs> and that's about it for me. You guys got any questions? Yeah. Um, how do you cook your ramen? I don't. Oh man, I love me some ramen. I gotta, I gotta do me a ramen. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I do like ramen. Um, my problem is the uh, salt content. Oh yeah, of course. I love me some ramen, and honestly, the whole thing is, is that my wife really loves cooking ramen. So if I'm craving ramen, I'm gonna ask my wife to cook it for me because oh, yeah. she really enjoys it. Yeah, I mean, like, you don't even have to do the, the, the from scratch, though. I've done that before. I mean, gotten a, a nice beef stock from the from bones, knuckles, tails, oxtail, stuff like that. Um, but there's there's something to be said about going and buying, like, the, the 80 cent shin ramen, spicy one, and adding a whole bunch of stuff to it. Um, I, I think that's, I have that's where... I teenagers, so there's probably a couple of cases of ramen currently sitting in my cupboard. Yeah. The, the cheap ramen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the little, the Maruchan, little, yeah. like, 18 cent each ones, or 8 cents each, right? But but even those, <laughs> oh, even those can benefit from, if you get yourself, like, a bag of mixed veg and steam, steam that. Chop it up, and, steam it up, add it in. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Exactly. And then, uh, uh, it sounds gross, and I'm not really particularly fond of it, but my wife is, uh, sticking a slice of American cheese on top and letting it melt into the, into the everything. Um, that's that's kind of weird. Know, get, you, you get it up to uh, a halfway decent rolling boil, and then you drop in an egg. Oh, yeah. Just so basically, egg, yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, I'll finish it off with a little five-ounce can of tuna. Drain no, that. Now you're disgusting. No, that's no, just, no. Drain that. That's throw disgusting. some tuna no, in no, there. No, no, you mm. open that can of mm. tuna in my presence, and I'm going to be physically ill. Good. Good. That's how I get rid of you. So once you've overstayed your welcome, I just, I just start cracking open a thing of tuna. You'll hear the little, and then, uh, yeah, yeah you go. Next thing you, you know, know, you're going to be talking about throwing pickles in there and no, no, uh, I, I don't, I don't like pickles enough. Um, pickled ginger is okay. I'll throw some pickled ginger in there. Maybe no, anything that's been brined. I'm really not a fan of. Uh, yeah. All right. Tony, when's the last time you had a, had a little bit of ramen? Oh, it must have been a couple of years ago when I was down in London. There was a ramen shop mm. uh, on Tottenham Court Road that I went into. Yep. Uh, I had a veggie ramen yep. I went, with the uh, poached egg yeah. in it. Yeah. Very yep. nice. I went to uh, Very nice. Hawaii uh, years and years ago um, and was walking around uh, the beach and there was this little ramen shop. And it looked just like every ramen shop you've ever seen in an anime. And you walk in, I asked for, you know, just your basic pork ramen and they give you that that swirly pork belly stuff. Oh, oh, it was, it was just the most amazing thing in the world. But, um, I couldn't cook that, uh, if I wanted to, that's amazing. Yeah. And I'm not good enough to make sushi. I've tried. Sushi um, rolls. I, yeah. It, the, the, I can't get the rice right. I've tried a bunch of times, but the rice falls apart too much. So. My wife does a really good, um, rice ball. Oh, the onigiri, the, yeah. with the, with the stuff in the middle. Yeah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are, um, I mean, that's that's the Japanese version of a tamal, which is, you know, tamales, right? Corn on the outside instead of rice, and then whatever filling you want on the inside. They could be sweet or savory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I should learn how to make tamales. That's They're a lot amazing. of work, though. A uh, lot of work. Not when you get fast at it. When you get fast at it, I mean, the, the longest thing is, like, making the masa and everything else. And then, you know, pepper spraying your entire house. Well, don't make it spicy. Oh, don't make it too spicy. What's the point in having tamales if they're not going to, you know, burn? That's, that's true. But that, that's what I say about my curry. Um, I make uh, a Thai curry. What's the point in having curry if it doesn't burn? Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, but you have to fry the, the, the paste before you actually do much with it. And yeah, that, that'll mace you right in the Tony's face. Tony's all like, why isn't it my turn yet? Joe was I done know. five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, no. Sorry, Tony. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I've got... Like you lot, I've got a few hobbies, but uh, we've already talked about cooking a lot. But I started um, seriously cooking for myself uh, probably about 30, 35 years ago because uh, I've been vegetarian for over 30 years. And back in the day, you couldn't get all these fancy things in the supermarkets that you can get now for vegetarians. Uh, there was a couple of replacement things, but they weren't necessarily that tasty <laughs> when you actually tried them. So uh, I uh, quickly learned to cook for myself. But I've also done, um, I used to do mass catering as a hobby. Got into that through uh, working in a homeless ch- um, project at Christmas in the late 80s, early 90s. And I was the uh, catering manager for it. And we, we cooked for homeless guys for a week. Uh, we ran a uh, an open house for a week uh, over Christmas for rough sleepers, and we were cooking for like three, four hundred people a day. Wow! And that was quite interesting. Wow. So I ended up turning that into a little bit of a hobby of catering for people, and I I used to do birthday parties and special events for people on a you know cost base just on cost basis it was mainly for friends and groups that i was involved in so what so that was quite so what you're saying is that in the uk there really is more than one recipe which is boiled potatoes and veg oh yes yes (laughs) just you know we do have quite a nice uh cuisine of our own no i had to get the stereotype Uh, out of the way real fast (laughs) yeah yeah um but uh, the great thing about Britain, though, is that we do enjoy multicultural food yeah. because all our, uh, you know, the history of Britain is we've been invaded so many times by different groups that our, our uh, cooking is fusion f- food all, all the time. You know, if you look into the history of British food, it is fusion mm-hmm. food. You know, this food comes from all over Europe and and then we've had waves of immigration all over the years. So things that you you know you you wouldn't necessarily think of as as European food is actually Europe come from Eastern Europe with say the uh, the Jews that uh, emig- you know uh, escaped from uh, Russia and Poland during the 18th and 19th century. You know they brought over their food or, or culture. Or it came from a colony. Or it came from a colony. Yeah, yeah. The soldiers brought back. Uh, Indian cuisine when uh, you know from the uh, Raj and all that and of course a lot of those people ended up coming into the into the UK as well in in you know in the t- 19th and 20th century a lot of uh, Asian people came over yeah. here. and of course we had the Chinese influence Chinese sailors came over and big Chinese communities in 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 
uh, the big cities in in, in the UK. That, that, that's so, my favorite thing uh, about immigrants, though. They bring the food with them. And and on top yeah. of that, they bring stores with them. So, like, we have, uh, you know, Asian grocery stores and things like that where you can go and buy stuff that, you know, if you went to, uh, I don't know, like a big chain, it would be 20 bucks for some lemongrass or whatever. But you can go to the Asian market and then just pick up a ton of yeah. it for a couple dollars. And I, I used to live in East London uh, and uh, big Asian communities in East London. And I could walk around the corner and buy a half pound bag of spices for pennies rather than, like you say, getting a tiny little bottle in the supermarket for, you know, three quid. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it's amazing what you can get because of that. Um, in Blackpool here, we've got a big Polish community, so you've got Polish stores and things like that, or some of the um, European supermarkets. We've got Aldi and Lidl right. here, and they'll do uh, events for a week where they'll bring in some of the food from Eastern Europe. So we get, we get the benefit of all that because of the immigration. So that's good. So I'm a, I'm a bit of a food geek as well yeah. as anything else. I'll try and I'm telling you, we could, well. we could do like, if we just swapped off every other episode, we could probably fill up a whole podcast with just cooking. Oh yeah. Easily. Yeah, I didn't even get into but it. But you, you know that I also make bread and I've been making sourdough as right. well. And that's yeah, great. I didn't even get into, you know, making pizzas. Oh, I know. That, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like we could we could just dedicate an episode to pizza, and we could share the recipe. And <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got to try sourdough pizza. Mm. I've, got, I've definitely got to give that it a sounds go. Sounds good. Pizza margarita, right? With the mm, mm, delicious. Mm. So I've talked about this on the show as well. My hobby of uh, restoring diecast models. And that's fairly recent. I only started it at the end of 2000. Yeah, you've got your little one <laughs> that I sent. <laughs> uh, I only started that in uh, round about the end of 2019, and uh, I'm well into it now. Um, and actually, that fits in with Linux, because uh, when I'm designing things like decals and stuff like that for the models, I use I use my Linux box and I use the Linux software, you know. So I'm using I mean, kind of combining the two, using computers and doing the modelling. And then of course there's computing. Um, I've been in into the world of uh, well, I was into computers before I discovered Linux, but um, I got into Linux in around about 2006 when I was giving away free. Uh, refurbished computers that I put back together from second-hand parts uh, on FreeCycle. And they've got a rule that everything has to be legal. Uh, yeah. So you can't put a moody copy. You couldn't put a moody copy of Windows back right, on it. Right, right. Uh, so, and of course, it wasn't worth spending 50 quid on a on a Windows license for something I was going to give away. So I stuck Linux on it, and it got me into it. I'd heard about it, but I hadn't actually tried it until I started doing that. Um, so that that started my Linux journey off back in uh, the mid 2000s. So you're saying I got into Linux used... before you did? Wow. When did you get about into Linux? About 2002 ish. Um, but same yeah. same deal. Oh, I cough, knew... cough. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been in it for years. Oh no, I took long <laughs> breaks. I took long breaks. Uh. But no, my first Linux experience was I think 2000, and that was because of um, my uh, roommate. When I was living in the barracks, and yeah, yeah. Ah, right. nerd, yeah, <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, I, 
I had a work colleague when I was down in London, uh, and he ran Linux, uh, and uh, he swore by it. He hated Windows. Uh, he he was he was a bit Richard Stallman ish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was passionate that the Windows was evil. Yeah. I don't know about evil, but we do need those but, boss folks. That I mean, you you need that. Yeah. Uh, that anchor on that side of keep everything free, I think that's very valuable. Yeah, he, he, he was big on it. And and he'd come to work meetings and bring his Linux computer to do his own, nice. you know, to do his presentation. Yep. <laughs> check check <laughs> out was, Star Office, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so through Linux, it was, uh, I got into podcasting, which is another hobby, obviously. Uh, Wait, you, you're a podcaster? Hold on, what? Yeah. Yeah, how, is this a podcast? <laughs> no, it's just us um, talking on on, uh, on voice chat, man. Yeah, we're just chewing the fat, aren't we? No one else can listen to us. There's only the three of us here, isn't there? Um, but yeah, I was listening to podcasts and I came across uh, the uh, Ubuntu, as it was called, the Ubuntu UK podcast. And oh, what was the uh, the other one? But there was a couple that, uh, there was the Ubuntu UK podcast and there was... Uh, uh, Oh, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Um, oh, Stuart Langridge was on it. It was the Birmingham crew. I can't, I can't just <laughs> off the top of my head. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but um, they they started a, uh, what became Og Camp, uh, and that's how I met Ken Fallon through Og Camp. And he asked me to uh, – he interviewed me, and he put it out as a recording on the show. Uh, but he said, go on. I'm, Get off and do your own. I'm pretty sure Ken like walks up to random people, like oh, he everywhere, does. and says, "Hey, you yeah. should put up a podcast on HPR." <laughs> it keeps yeah. it going. So Ken, yeah, Ken. Yeah. Well, he, he's old um, catchphrase is "You owe me a show," isn't it? <laughs> so <laughs> you owe me a show. But uh, yeah, so I met Ken, and uh, I probably, that was around 2012, 2013. And it, it, uh, I said I'd do it, and then it was 2016 before I got around to it. <laughs> uh, but never. I eventually got around to it. Yeah, um, and obviously I've been listening to Mintcast since uh, oh back in the day. Since I remember Charles doing the show. So I must have been listening to it in its very early days yeah, before, um, yeah, because uh, I remember Charles on it, um, and it became one of my regular podcasts. And then, of course, when the shout out came, I uh, I jumped on with you lot and uh, been there ever since. But uh, and then that, out of that has come uh, Distro Hoppers with Moss and uh, now Dale. So uh, yeah, podcasting is a big part of uh, what I. Uh, doing my not so much spare time these days because <laughs> of all the things I do. And Joe was talking about keeping fit and weightlifting and stuff like that. Well, uh, I've uh, I've been going to the gym for three or four years now. Uh, after I had my stroke, I uh, I started, uh, I was uh, going to the gym to try and get fit again. Managed to lose 35 pounds with exercise and diet. Wow which uh, anyone who knows anything about fitness knows that losing weight's 80% diet and 20% yeah. exercise yep. to turn back up again. But uh, I managed to keep the weight off for, for the last three years. So, uh, uh, but over the last, uh, since lockdown, I decided to, when the gym closed, 
I decided to make walking my exercise. That's a good. That's a good and, hobby to have. Uh, so that's become a, and I'm now up to around about ten thousand steps a day as my minimum baseline, which is what they recommend. Well, I anyway. used to do ten thousand steps a day, and now you do six million <laughs> before the lockdown. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, one of the reasons I went out and bought the uh, Fitbit because uh, it's easy, it's easier if you're always wearing it. Because quite often I got the app on the phone, but I'd forget the phone, yeah. <laughs> so I'd lose what I'd done. But well, I, I didn't have my if phone. Tony, track it. Does so, it count? <laughs> uh, Tony, well, it counts. It counts for me, but I also do these virtual walk challenges. Um, there's a company called End to End, and they do virtual walk challenges. So I've completed two now. Uh, completed an island challenge, walking from the southern tip of Ireland to the northern tip, virtually, of course. Oh. Uh, and I've just I've just completed a virtual five uh, North Coast 500, which is the coastal roads round Scotland. And I'm, I've just started a southern coast uh, coastal path. Virtual challenge. So it's a way of motive. Yeah, it's a way of motivating myself to get out and actually walk. I guess I do have to add in another hobby of taking up hiking with the wife, since we're planning on hitting as many of the state parks as we can, and at least the ones with hiking trails around here, and try and do that once a month. That's cool. Cool. uh, Tony Londoner was asking, was it Lug Radio, the name of that show? Yeah, That's it. Look yeah, radio. There you go. I couldn't rem- couldn't remember it. There Look you radio. Go. Good call. And they, they did a they did a Lug radio live and and uh what one year when they did Lug radio live they they did it on the Saturday and then on the Sunday Og Camp um took over the venue and then that became uh, Og Camp became the event and it took it started uh, becoming a week full weekend event. That's cool. Yeah, and Og Camp was. Um, a bunch of UK post podcast and the Linux Outlaws. If you I remember do. Linux Outlaws, I do, yes. with Dan and uh-huh. Fab, don't they have another it's show? A, now? It was a cracking show. Uh, I've not heard from Dan for a while. Dan Dan's been quiet for a while, but I've stopped. Uh, I need to check up and find out what's going on. But I he used to, he had a new podcast that he was doing, uh, and I've got it in my podcatcher, but it's not popped up okay. for a while. So. Uh, I don't know what's happened, but Fab does a uh, was doing a podcast. I don't know what happened to that, but because uh, he's back in Germany now, because he was he was in the UK for a while, uh, but he went back to Germany. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, and then there's uh, just the ordinary stuff that everyone else does, <laughs> like breathing. Uh, that's but, a pretty uh, good hobby. Like yeah. breathing, yeah, yeah. Not soldering. No, I've got, I've got. Uh, I don't do. I don't. I've never really got into electronics, soldering, and all that kind of stuff. If I, if it's not plug and play, forget it. You know, I can pull a computer apart. I can put stick RAM in it. I can put cards in it and all that. But when you come to start tinkering with the actual board, nah, that's not for me. <laughs> well, I guess that'll wrap it up uh, for all of that. I imagine if we brought one more topic up, we'd go for another half hour. So uh, we should probably not do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as it's ten o'clock yeah, my time. Yeah. So um anyway, so we only have a couple of emails to to go through. So if y'all would like, um yeah, let's let's drop down to vibrations from the ether. 
I've done enough talking, so I'll let y'all take uh, take one of these. Well, I'll take Brad's. All right. All right. Uh, Brad Alexander says, hey, boys, just a couple of things. First, eSound is a sound component from the Enlightenment window manager. I guess it's spun off into a standalone app. Second, Leo, I have no problems with it. You have an absolute right to be wrong. And I'm mm-hmm. going to interject here and say, well, have you heard the way he says Damon? Uh, yeah, uh, I've, I've heard the way I've said Damon. ZFS is clearly superior to ButterFS. One of the benchmarks was writing zeros to one of the drives in a pool. In ZFS, that was one of the tests of pool recovery. In ButterFS, you would lose the pool. Now maybe the ButterFS folks fixed the problem, but ZFS has been proof against it for years. Well, it's a good thing I don't run ButterFS pools of anything, huh? (laughs) And and ButterFS is in the kernel. You still know how to be wrong. Of course. I will continue to be wrong until the day I die. Yeah, well, uh, what, what's 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 eSound? I mean, what what does it do? What is it? Did, were is, we talking about that the before? the sound component from Enlightenment Window Manager. Let me see. Hold on. Enlightenment. I think that's how you spell it. E-sound. Free music player for so MP3 this, this music is like, streaming. Um, oh, no, no, no. This is not like Pulse. This. Oh, no, it is. It, the Enlightened Sound Demon. So this is kind of like a the Pulse sound. Jack. Damon. Yeah, Damon. 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 Mm-hmm. No problem. No problem. Da- Just cash da- it. Damon. That, that demon will cash Damon. it. And yeah, yeah. And okay. Well, that's pretty cool. See, there cool. you go being wrong again. Yeah, it happens. It happens. Anyway, that's pretty cool. Uh, I didn't know about that. I'll take a look at that. So, Liz T looks like she's, uh, this is a follow up uh, e- email. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this Awaiting on. Awaiting your Joe. reply with a link. <laughs> Some more info. Bell Latitude E5570 laptop, VGA, TV, and HDMI uh, monitor. Output both external uh, are the same resolution and larger than laptop. I've had the same issue in the past. Back to Mint Marte 18.1 and a horrid experience with the touchscreen laptop uh, that uh, thought the external was a touch, but not. I'm thinking Marte needs work. I'm planning on trying other distros virtual, but the base is still Mint Marte, so the same issue. Wiping the system and install distro, I'm going to. Uh, that's going to be a while, but uh, be nice to have another laptop to play with. But I'm really old, 64, and poor. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, now, um, Liz, um, with Marte. It... I think we said it before, and you're going to have to look this up on your own, probably in the Arch Wiki, but if you really want to stick with Mate with multi-monitor support, you're going to have to do your own setup for X. Ew. Is what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Is this multi-head right here? Arch Wiki? DGA left of HDMI. Look at this. You're going to have to do it with X-Rander. Yeah. Ooh, gross. Yeah. 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 But once you get that um, the the setup for X Rander done right, you'll only have to do it the once. You add it to your startup, and it'll do it every you time. You know what? I, it's a shame Moss isn't here because I remember him talking about how he had a way easier time dealing with X Rander using a 
Rander, A R N R. Yeah. So it's, well, it's X R N R, but if yeah. you want to copy that link and, and send oh, it. Oh, I'm going to send it to Liz. I'm going to stick in the show notes for now. And then, yeah. But I, I understand some of the reasons behind, you know, going with Mate, it being lighter weight and slightly, you know, yeah. less features than some other things. It's a bit simpler and easier. But you could try what LXQT and see if that does any better. Well, in the Linux Mint world, I guess it would be XFCE might be slightly, yeah. um, whatever. But I mean, yeah, if you don't mind trying Ubuntu and, dealing with all the snapification of things, then, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Lubuntu is a good choice. Well, you can um, install LXQT on anything you want to. Well, but true. At that point, you might as well just use XRander. It's going to be about well, the same level of difficulty. Right. And so it looks like the solution is right here. It's XRNR, um, dash, dash, output VGA1. So talking about your TV, I guess, dash, dash, mode. And that'll be the resolution that your TV actually natively runs at. And then position 1920 by zero. So I guess this would be like to the left, no, to the right of your, oh yeah, because otherwise it would be X0X. DGA right of HDMI. Yeah, so that would be 1920. So it's 1920 pixels to the right. Assuming your other HDMI output, so output, dash, dash, output, HDMI one, dash dash mode yeah, uh, and then I, that would be the resolution of your other one so the thing about this though is that when you're looking at it you have to pay special attention to whatever you want on the left hand side uh you have to pay special attention to it's the pixels width that is the number that goes in this spot right here so it's yeah. super duper important that you notice that and then, and then you know this is the resolution and the position zero x zero so if you're having like most. black bar problems, which is scan problems, then the first thing to check is actually the TV. But if that's changing pixel to pixel on the TV doesn't work, then you, there's another set of commands that you would have to use to manually force um, everything to be a little bit wider or a little bit taller. So it fills up your entire screen, and that gets right. finicky and annoying, and uh, it's hardly worth it. Well, and now I'm looking at the next uh, example that they have. You don't have to do that math. Um, you just set the mode, the the resolution here, and instead of the the dash dash pos uh, x zero x, and then having to do math to figure out where the right hand side one is going to be. Uh, whatever the last one is. So if you're doing output HDMI one for HDMI, you set the mode, you can do left of, and then the name of the first output. So in that case, it'd be VGA one, but there's more work you're going to have to do on this one because uh, it's going to be unique to your setup. When you run X render, it will show you uh, the, the active displays that you have. And that's what you're going to have to actually put in. Yeah. Uh, to this command. It right might here. not be so, called VGA one or HDMI one. It could be, yeah. Something silly. Right. So the more information that you have, the more information that you can send, the better we can. I mean, if, if you're not familiar with XRander enough or if you don't want to put the command together, um, if you can give us all the info, then we might be able to put a command together for you. And then we can likely help you set up a script and run that at boot and everything to make it look right. And essentially, um, you're just going to take one of these commands or whatever command you generate yourself and run that in terminal and see if it works. Yeah. And, then, and if it doesn't, if you can it reboot. Works, it won't, it yeah. won't remember uh, yeah. that stuff. I don't think it won't 
as long as you're not, you know, adding it to a startup or adding it to the um, X11 config. Right, right. So cool. I mean, th- this is at least a resource to get you going. And then, uh, like I said, if you had more information, send it to us and we can help you put that command together if you need. All right. Cool. Well, um, that was it for emails. Uh, there's a lot of chatter going on in Telegram and Discord, and some of those conversations get so long that it just it's not worth putting it into the vibrations because it would just eat up all the time and there wouldn't be any room for the email. So <laughs> anyway, I didn't bring any of those over, but um, if you are curious or if you want to join that conversation, go check out our uh, Telegram, Discord, or uh, Matrix channel, which is tied into Telegram as well. So you can join one or the other on in that case. And then, um, yeah, just join the conversation. All right. Well, that's it for Vibrations. Let's head down to check this out. All right. Jinkpad A1. This is that uh, iPad, Linux, Linux iPad thing, replacement thing that is supposed to be really, really fantastic. There is, uh, thanks to Londoner, we uh, have a link to Learn Linux TV, who's, um, I really enjoy uh, this guy. Wow, just look at that, that video there. The screen is fantastic. That Was that for real? I didn't actually get a chance to watch the video, but that looked fantastic. So anyway, I'll probably go watch this here in a little bit. Um, but yeah, so an actual hands-on review of the Jingpad A1, which is supposed to be the Linux iPad competitor thing that runs actual Linux and not just, you know, Android or something like that. This is real live actual Linux. Uh, Jing OS, I think is what it's called, but you can, you can put whatever you want to on. It's like the Pine phone, right? So, uh, thanks again, Londoner for that one. That's fantastic. And, uh, what is this? This is mine. What are you, what are you, what are, I put this. What are in. we removing backgrounds for? Yeah, uh, well, um, actually, this was a tip I picked up on the last episode of uh, a bunch <gasps> of podcasts. Oh. Uh, and it, it's a cracking little free tool web base. Cracking. Just go to remove.bg, which links in the show notes, and it'll take away. A, you can upload a, uh, an image yeah. if you want to get rid of the background. And it works. It's great. I just I just tested it out on an image a few minutes ago, and it works brilliantly. So the one of the things, and then once you once it's removed the background, you can download the the image um, with the background removed. That's amazing. Um, this is something that I was uh, yeah. I downloaded GIMP and created. GIMP is fine at it for the most part, but I mean a lot of the edges end up jagged and not great. Uh, Krita does a bit better no, job. This looks really yeah, good. Yeah, Krita does a better job of the magic wandness of it all. But I mean, if I could just drop it in there and download what I want and then stickerify things, I mean, that's kind of the point. That's what I want. And I want to do it as fast as possible. And this is amazing. So huh, cool. I love this. Yeah. I thought it was quite cool. So yeah. Yeah. the download for background remover. So is there, um, what, what do you mean? Leonard? The, like the image that you get after the fact, or is there another thing called background remover? But anyway, so we'll come back around to that because uh, I'm I'm curious. I want I want to know more if there's a thing that I can do that that is Linux or open source or whatever, uh, even better. But um, for now, oh, for local install. So is it off of that website or something else? Maybe. No, I don't know. I'll have to go check that out. Mm. But if there's a local one, I'd rather do that. That would be awesome. Either way, fantastic little thing. If you uh, are not artsy, but you still want that kind of that kind of thing, um, check that out. 
because I didn't write it down uh, because I'm awesome. Uh, but our next episode is going to be 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on August 22nd. Mm-hmm. And then the next live stream is going to be 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on August 14th. So um, go to the website. You can see they're already posted. Go check out um, when that's going to be. And then we're going to have links in the show notes and all that kind of stuff to convert the time if you prefer more of a, uh, a, a different avenue of getting when things are. But I guess that does it for the show, huh? Yeah, and only only not too bad. I mean, we started a few minutes late, so uh, we're not we're not too terribly yeah, no, that's far right. beyond two hours. Yeah. So um, I guess that means, Joe, where can we get more of you outside of here? Well, I'm on a couple other podcasts. You can catch me on the Linux Link Tech Show, tllts.org, or the Linux Lugcast. That's linuxlugcast.com. You can maybe find me on MeWe, or you can send me an email directly, jb at mintcast.org. And Bo's not here this time, but you can get him at theundercastnetwork.com or uh, YouTube, Undercast Collective. And, of course, they've got uh, Crowbar Kernel Panic as well. Tony Hughes. Yeah, you can listen to some of my old Hacker Public Radio uh, shows. I'm uh, on uh, hackerpublicradio.org, correspondent, PHP. Question mark host ID equals three three eight. I'm on Twitter at Tony H one two one two. I'm on Minkcast.org, TH at Minkcast.org, and I'm on distrohoppers digest at gmail.com. Nice. And Josh Hawk's not here either, but Josh on tech at Minkcast.org. Uh and then pretty much Josh on tech everywhere. Uh and of course he's the other half of Crowbar Kernel Panic. So go check that out. Uh, you can get to it through our YouTube uh, channel. So if you're going to the Mincast YouTube channel, we've got a link right there, just in case you can't find it. And Mike as well, Mike at Mincast.org and Grouchy M on Discord if you want to go slap him around uh, verbally or textually. Uh, <laughs> and it's for me, uh, LeoChavis.org and at LeoChavis on Twitter, uh, Leo at C.im on Mastodon. And you can check out my other show, LinuxUserspace.show. But before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mintcast possible. Owen Peary for our audio editing. Josh Lowe for all his work on the website. Hobstar for the logo. InitRD for the animated logo in Discord. And, of course, Londoner for our time sync. Bytemark Hosting for hosting Mintcast.org and our Mumble server. Archive.org for hosting our audio files. And, of course, the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about every fortnight. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music. And thanks for listening to this episode of The Mint. Okay, hold on. All right, so Londoner says background remover. There's a thing. Okay, Londoner, how good is it? Like, is it really good? I mean, I got Pip right here. Stopping audacity. All right.